Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. <laughs> Hi everybody. It's lovely to see you all tonight. Hope you've survived the, the gale winds today. They've been a bit rough, haven't they? Um, I hope you enjoyed that opening um, clip. We, we love it here that we can be a little bit, you know controversial uh, in what we show and I'm glad that we heard a lot of laughter but um, you know we want to introduce you to tonight to a very different Jesus that we might call radically rebellious um, in the context of Jesus the subversive. Um, What does subversive mean? If you look in the dictionary it says the process by which values and principles that are in place are contradicted or reversed. In other words, it's about a transformation and it's about undermining the established order. And if we're not careful, we can live out an unquestioned um, whole bunch of values and principles with a great fervour, with a great uh, amount of energy, um, because it's all we've ever known. Um, But it's time that maybe we joined uh, the revolution Now, as this first clip suggested, many of us have concluded how we see Jesus. We've all had influences and experiences, and through even our own personality types, we create what we think Jesus should be, and we have shrunk Jesus to fit within certain lines, and we believe our version of Jesus is true. So which Jesus is the right Jesus? Uh, Ricky Bobby, like you've just seen, like the infant baby Jesus, um, but there have been many versions, hasn't there? In the 1970s, there was the decaf drinking flip-flop wearing hippie Jesus. There's been that anti-science Jesus. There's been the stained glass window Jesus. The white supremacist Jesus. And most common, the takeaway sin Jesus. And this became very much the focus for many, many hundreds of years. And most scary of all, the divine terminator Jesus, the prize fighter who had a tattoo down his leg, wielding a sword, looking for blood. And uh, he's growling from this horse, uh, basically in the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. And... uh, It's very sad that all those uh, viewpoints have been very, very heavily supported. And um, there is a temptation to only see Jesus in one way or another. And um, we, we mentioned a few weeks ago about the lines that have been created that have said, this is how you must see Jesus. And then, of course, once you see Jesus in a particular way, you see God in a particular way. And then you see his message in a particular way. Now, 
I want to say this, me and Jesus go back a long way. And uh, when I, you know, think about what was my view of Jesus, it was my ticket to heaven. And he saved me from an angry God because I needed saving, I needed something. But I now realise that Jesus was far much more than that. And I'm only now just seeing that there is a different story. His life and teachings, there was a wisdom, there was a spirituality of Jesus that I couldn't see, but it was because it was obscured by these many images that were portrayed by religion. So Jesus lived and expressed the fundamental truth that really did set you free, if you could grasp it, that there was no separation between us and God. And Jesus fully embodied that truth of who he was, and that gave him the courage to subvert everything that was not of love's kind, even to the point of laying down his life. Jesus was subversive and challenged a system that took away the dignity of humanity and died doing it. There are many that have risen up again to reconstruct the system of tyranny that Jesus died to tear down because it doesn't take long for the empire to strike back. But equally, there are those who rise to be Jesus in their generation, willing to subvert the systems that keep people excluded, who dare to bring down those paradigms that are put in place. Men like Martin Luther dared to question rituals in the church with his 95 statements that he posted on the now famous Wittenberg door. This sparked off a debate that would move the movement from its medieval practices and push the church into a new era. Now Q has joined this band of subversives, happy to be called heretics and sail the ice-breaking ship into those foreboding lonely waters to be Jesus in our time and our space. So if Jesus was here today, what do you think he would say to us? I believe he would say, don't stay as you are, keep subverting, subverting all you have become as individuals and also as a community because there is always more. And in the next clip, we see Rosa Parks being another Jesus in her generation that would challenge a system that was not of love's kind. Now that lady, Rosa Parks, is one of the defining figures in the civil rights movement in the 1960s in America where segregation was so strong and um, to America's shame in the 1960s this was going on of course out of that came Martin Luther King and uh, you all know how that story is kind of um, kind of worked out one of the saddest things about the story of Rosa Parks is that Rosa Parks lived in a part of the US which by its own proclamation would see itself as devoutly evangelical Christian. 
And yet they could sit by and tolerate this inhumanity, this unchristlike behaviour of segregation and leave it to other means for it to change. That makes me question, in spite of all the teaching and preaching about Jesus died for your sins, what the heck good did it do in the hearts of those people who were still prepared to accept segregation? And my question would be, which Jesus was it that actually they had manufactured or created or were following that could allow them to tolerate the segregation and, and, the, and the, um, the separation of people and, and, the, and the accusations against people because they wanted to make them different. So tonight, really, um, there are many avenues of thought that we could explore about the man Jesus, but, but tonight, really, I don't want to focus on Jesus the Saviour. What we want to focus on, as Chris has already uh, well said, is Jesus the subversive. You know, Matthew 16, 13, uh, Jesus is reported to have asked a question, and um, he said to his disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so even back then, there was the issue that, that the Jesus himself, the human Jesus, was deeply interested on how we conceived and perceived who he actually was so that he could challenge the misconceptions and preconceptions that, that surrounded his existence and, and the misrepresentations of the Jews wanting to make him a Messiah and so on and so forth. Um, so what we have to say about Jesus this afternoon, I also have to say maybe more to do with how I want you to see Q uh, than how I want you to see you. So this is not quote a gospel message, Jesus is the saviour. This is really the fourth part of what we've been trying to get through to you uh, to, 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 to see who Q is, right? So, so I want you to take it in that spirit. Anyone though who has, who has um, affected the course of history to the degree that Jesus has um, should be considered by all of us because the impact has been absolutely huge uh, but there are questions we have to answer surrounding that. Yet one of us can't, not one of us can deny, and this is very interesting and, and this is not an excuse, but not one of us can deny that Jesus started out a lot more popular than he finished up. And the tendency is we can want to latch on to the popular message of Jesus rather than the transforming message of Jesus that makes a real difference, not just to our happiness on a Sunday, but our society at large and the way people connect with and see their relationship with God. So Jesus comes on doing the miracles, there's massive crowds. By the time he finishes, there's his mother, there's Mary Magdalene and a couple more waifs and strays hanging around the cross because everybody else, because he wouldn't be what they thought he should be and wanted him to be, there was no big crowd, there was no mega church at the cross. Now I know that after the resurrection people began to follow this Jesus, but I believe that's because they got a pure representation of who this Jesus really was in the context of their society. Now, some didn't, some did. And, um, you know, for about 150 years, it was going pretty well. And then religion got hold of it and institutions, and we screwed the whole thing up. And most of us are not the beneficiaries of some of that pure, organic breaking out in the first century. Most of us are, are, the, are the consequences, the, the, the result, the... the, the the damage of people who then institutionally got hold of it. Now, of course, here at Q, we're wanting to rock the boat and say, you know, will the real Jesus please stand up? 
because I'm not sure he would like a lot of what we call church. I think we like a lot of what we would call church, and lots of people like what they think they call church, but whether Jesus would like it is another, is another question. Now, you don't have to believe me, you don't have to think I'm right, but I'm just telling you. So, one would ask, why, why did Jesus start off seemingly more popular than he finished up? And, and I would say because he seemingly possessed a gift for upsetting the established order of things. You know, if, if Jesus was being mentored now, he would be told by his mentors not to say most of the things that he said to the people he said them to in the way that he said them. Those with superior knowledge would say, look, Jesus, you just need to rein it in. Don't say that there in that way to these people. Now, the problem is now because Jesus himself isn't here, we have the, we have the possibility and the opportunity to do that ourselves and rein Jesus in so that what we do is only said in the way we want it said, in the, in the arena we'd like it said to the people we want it said, and, uh, and if anything, we're not looking to be subversive. Whereas Jesus was always doing things and saying things in a way that both religion and governments found subversive. Chris gave a definition for subversive, I'm going to give you another one from the Latin. It refers to a process by which the values and principles of a system in place are contradicted or reversed, but this is the reason, in an attempt to transform the established social order and its structure of power, authority, hierarchy and social norms. Subversion is the opposite to conforming. And that's what we're called to be. So like Rosa Parks, Jesus took his seat in a place that the rules said he wasn't supposed to sit and refused to move. He's still the same. For those of you who like Bible and like to fit Bible into your developed concepts of Jesus, when it says he is the same yesterday, today and forever, and we get all fuzzy around the gills about that because gentle Jesus, meek and mild, he's the same Jesus who, like Rosa Parks, would sit where he wasn't supposed to sit and refuse to get up when the authorities say, you can't be there. He's the same Jesus today. And it's impossible to change the future without disturbing the present, and Jesus knew that. Now, the next video speaks to me about how Jesus will not conform to who you think he should be. And that Jesus that you will see here is the one I think is worth following. <laughs> so the movies that we've uh, put with stuff tonight have all been from that perspective of the subversive challenging of what should not be what it has been made to be from Rosa Parks on the bus to the to the sergeant at harms in, uh, in Hunchback of Notre Dame, refusing to enforce fiery judgment upon those who the authority said should be judged because they were different. And Patch Adams here in, uh, in, in, in that movie, challenging the medical establishment to not be dead from the heart up, but to get a different perspective. And, one of the things that Patch says I would echo to you because it's so important. He said, in, in the house that he had created, he said, are you treating patients? And uh, he said something very wise. He said, everyone here is a patient, but everyone is also a doctor. And in Q, everyone here is a patient, but everyone is also a doctor. 
There has to be a humility to receive, but there also has to be a confidence to give. There cannot be from any of us an abdicating of our own responsibility that each of us, because of what has happened in our own lives and how Christ has touched us, are also doctors. And this is not about Anthony, Chris, and the congregation. This is about all of us fulfilling a role. I'm a patient, but I'm a doctor. You're a patient, but you're also a doctor in this wonderful work of expressing the work of Christ and what Jesus came to do. And I want you to be as subversive as we are. So in all of this, do I believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do I, do I believe that he was the saviour of the world? My answer to that would be yes. Yet possibly the greatest legacy he gave us as, as sons of men, and Jesus 82 times is recorded in the gospel, he said, do you know who I the Son of Man am? He kept drawing attention to his humanity because he wanted us to draw attention to our humanity as sons of men, and the legacy he gave us as the sons of men was to live outside the lines that religion and systems have drawn for us. Yes. Now some of you think you're living outside the lines because you do stuff that you think wouldn't be approved of by the church, etc. But if you're living within the lines that contemporary society has established, which are the measurements of your ability to comply as a peer, you might seem to be the wild kid on the block, but actually you're not drawing outside the lines, you're drawing within the very lines that the society and social media and advertising have told you you had to live in. You're not as radical as you think. You are as bound in that expression as a, as, a, as a fundamental evangelical Christian is bound within their lack of liberties and their total confusion and bondage between not being able to do anything. For all of us, getting outside the lines takes us beyond what our exterior demands are asking of us or what it takes to comply or be accepted or, be, or to get likes on Facebook. It takes a different kind of person to live outside the lines. And Jesus was that kind of person. I remember doing an illustration many years ago. It's great. We haven't got it on the screen, but it's nine dots. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And the question was to people, can you join all the dots with just three lines and you mustn't take your pen off the paper? And you watch people struggle trying to figure it out. And it's actually very simple. And what you do is you go along the three and you come back through the two and you come up the three, and you go across the three, and in three lines you've joined them, but the one thing you had to do to join the dots was get outside the box, get outside the lines. You will never join the dots of life unless you're prepared to get outside the box. In society, in church, whatever it is, you've got to get outside the lines. And this is what this subversive Jesus was trying to get us to do. Think outside the lines. When you think about God, think outside the lines. When you think about what your life should be, think outside the lines. Don't think inside the lines. That's the greatest legacy, I believe, that Jesus left us. But it was driven by love and not hate. It was driven by peace and not violence. It was driven by accepting and not rejecting. So we don't make separations in society. We don't make accusations. And because he questioned and challenged the established order... 
He did it over its presumption of its grasp on truth. A lot of people presume they have a grasp on truth. I don't presume that we have a grasp on truth. And I'm not trying to tell you that we have the whole truth, the full truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Now, I will say, so help me God, but the other bits don't take too seriously. What we are is a pursuing of truth and Jesus raised people to get outside the lines of what they were told. This is how government should be. This is how empires should be. And with the religious crowd, this is how church should be. This is how you should see God. Jesus said, I want to pull you away from all of that to a different place of love so that you get away from those who presume that they have a grasp on truth and you come into this space of faith where outside the lines you can discover the real Jesus, the real Christ, and the real God. The problem is you have to be a heretic in the eyes of the powers that be in order to be subversive in a way that changes the familiar and the comfortable and the status quo. You can't do this without being a heretic in the eyes of the powers that be. But it gets you a lot of persecution, condemnation, criticism, rejection. Can you handle that cue? in order to move something forward in the understanding of the wonder of the beautiful gospel. Jesus introduces us to another way of seeing everything. Okay, just one more little section to uh, finish this off tonight. It's interesting when you look at the history books, whether it's in science uh, biology, exploration, whatever, whatever the field, um, every great explorer, discoverer was considered a heretic by their peers when they first introduced the ideas or the perspective that they brought in and were rejected and, and um, persecuted uh, until, of course, then when it becomes the ideas... It's the people who adopt the ideas who then sell it better and make out the idea was theirs in the first place, which can be very frustrating. We, we have had the, I believe it's a blessing, not a curse, throughout my life of being on the forefront of where things were going, not where things have been. And I want to encourage you as Q that you're on the forefront of where things are going. 20 years' time, if, you, if we're still here... I'm getting on a bit now. If we're still here 20 years' time and you look back, you will see that you were at the forefront of a change in thinking. You were at the forefront of dynamically affecting how the message of the gospel was being shaped for the 21st century. And I want to encourage you in that. Now, we've coined the phrase here that we would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. And that really expresses the essence of, of where we are and, and where we're building things at this time. And the reason we do that is because it helps us get outside the lines in the way that we see things if we have that spirit and if we have that approach because we're actually wanting to get out of the lines, not just give you a new set of lines for you to get in. Okay, we want you to be people who are always getting outside the lines. Centuries ago couple of millennia ago, many millennia and a half ago, David wrote these words, you'll go in and you'll come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, David was saying, where there are some lines that define things, we're going to go inside and we're going to go outside and wherever we go, we'll find that um, pasture. So one could not argue that we have developed in the context of 
the Christian message through the world. Uh, or some would even say I've invented a romanticized Jesus. I find it interesting there's a real play on words there because a lot of what we have been fed as the understanding of Jesus has come from the Roman empirical times and therefore moving into the Holy Roman Church, the Roman Catholic Church, which was starting to become the dominant voice in the 350s and they Roman size Jesus. So I want you to understand a lot of the Jesus that you have been told to accept has been romanticized in a Roman way, which is why there's so much empirical thinking about Jesus being like one who runs an empire and who's, you know, you know, you, as one guy said, I don't want a Jesus that I could beat up. What a stupid statement. Got nothing to do with that. Why? Because they're looking for an empirical Jesus who, who can beat up your dad you know, stronger than any, and it all comes from, 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 from ideas of the Roman arena. Let's put Jesus in the arena. He's our gladiator. Praise Jesus, our gladiator, who when we put him in the arena, defeats all our enemies, all those beasts and demons. Can you see that those ideas have more come from Roman to sizing Jesus? than they have actually a real view of Jesus. And that's what we're trying to dismantle. Now, of course, there's also the other side, the romanticizing of Jesus, the Jesus is my boyfriend understanding of the whole thing. Of, you know, I come to Jesus and Jesus becomes my boyfriend and I love him and he loves me and we're just lovely. And, you know, that, that's another romanticizing. But of course, within all that, where some of it's fine and some of it I get, we, we, we lose the subvertive Jesus who is always challenging lives, challenging systems, challenging thinking, challenging beliefs to say you can't put God in a box. You can't bring him down and say because you think you've interpreted one book called the Bible that now you've got this down and we can now explain and define God. See, Jesus is saying God's bigger than that. The Jews said we got it down. Jesus said no, he's bigger than that. The Jewish system said, we've got it down tribally. Jesus said, no, it's bigger than that. The Romans would say, we've got it down because we've got an empire. Jesus said, no, it's bigger than that. He's bigger than any specific particular single message or any big single expression. He's bigger than that. And the whole subvertive nature of Jesus in challenging society at the time was always, he's more than that. He's more than that. He's more than that. And what I'm saying to you, why it becomes such a struggle? Because when we say it's more than that, it means we haven't arrived. It means we haven't buttoned it down. It means we have to keep stretching, keep reaching. We have to keep humbling ourselves because he's more than that. So we've created a domesticated deity who nicely fits into our system, doesn't make a mess. It's all tidy and lovely. And we've made a convenient Jesus. You know, most of the Jesuses that we have are the convenient Jesus. He always loves who we are and what we do. And he thinks what we do is right and what we believe is right. And it's funny how Jesus always supports what we believe. And it's the rest of them that are wrong. Because I've heard from Jesus. We, we, we've made him a convenient Jesus when actually he's disruptive. He wants to shake you up. He wants to make you have to think. He wants to challenge you because beyond it you find a bigger God, a greater God, a greater experience, a more beautiful gospel. And you find the best possible you that you could ever imagine, sons of men. So perhaps the greatest sin that we've needed saving from 
is the distortion of the image of God. We've got obsessed with what people do rather than who people have become. And who we've become is people who've distorted the image of God. And if you want to talk about Jesus needing to forgive our sins, that's the great sin we need forgiving of, distorting the image of God. So I repent of that tonight. I don't know about you. And may he forgive us and help us to no longer distort that image, but see it a little more clearly through the, through the, through the subversive Jesus. And perhaps the lingering legacy of the whole work of Christ in Jesus is what I've said to you, that there is more. That's, that's the legacy. There's more. Where you up to, there's more. If you want it, there's more. Who have you become? Well, there's more. What have you seen? Well, there's more. What have you felt? Well, there's more. That's the legacy that's been left. So two scriptures for those who like a scripture and then I'm going to finish. Hebrews 13, 13 says, Let us then go out to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. That's, a, that's a, a Jewish way within its context of saying, Get outside the lines. But understand that there's some disgrace goes with that because if you don't fit in the lines, guess what happens? Those who always fit in the lines are the ones who are going to be giving you grief and getting on your case and getting on the back. You should be within the lines. But he says, don't be afraid. Let's get outside the lines where Jesus says, and then of course John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the expression of Jesus in the flesh. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And the subversive Jesus is not full of war, he's full of grace, and he's full of truth. And it's that grace, that authentic grace in the truth that changes you and changes me and changes everything and helps us to see that we're one with God and we just need to get on with being the best us that we can be as sons of men. So I pray that blessing over you tonight. So our last video is probably a fitting way to end our little journey of getting to know Q. I've been dubbed kilt lifter from the movie Braveheart for over 20 years. For a reason. This is another version of that. So please don't be embarrassed, but this sums up the spirit of Q, and for me, what it means to follow and live by the spirit of the radical, revolutionary, subversive, loving, transforming Christ that we find in Jesus. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.